Cider. 11 weeks tomorrow. Because it's our only coping mechanism at this point. If anyone's interested, we're drinking a Summersby semi-dry apple cloudy. It's delicious. Super good. It's made in the Okanagan, I think. Is it Canadian? Um, I don't know. It's also... Oh no, it's, it's brewed and canned by Carlsberg, Denmark. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Very not local. It's good. Anyway, they should market it for mental health. <laughs> Someone told us that as a segment on our podcast, we should review ciders. So maybe we will. This is our first one. Maybe we'll never do it again. Summer's <laughs> B, uh, semi-dry, you get an A+. Yeah, it's really yummy. Mm-hmm. It's got a really nice fermented taste. Like, it's, it sounds so stupid to say it's apple but it's apple <laughs> you know? Well, not, yeah, it's not too sweet, mm-hmm. which is what the semi-dry means. Anyway, okay. So, we had a baby. We had a baby. And you heard all about it in three long episodes. The only downside is that you didn't actually hear him be born. Yeah, so I'm sorry about that, but when we were getting ready to go into the OR where Jackie was getting forcept. Uh, forcept? I don't think it's a verb. <laughs> I'm making it a verb. Okay. The Ardula who knows a lot about like the hospital and she works there a lot of times yeah and she takes photos a lot and she was like you cannot record anything in the or she's like if they find out that you did you're gonna be in so much trouble and i don't want to get in trouble and you don't want your midwives to get in trouble and i was like okay i I wish you had recorded it and then maybe we wouldn't have used it just so i would have it yeah i just got so nervous like we have the moment we don't have the moment with silas which is a bit of a bummer but it is what it is. But yes. we have many, many beautiful pictures. We could like turn yeah. those into a flip book and he would, it would be like a video. <laughs> Except you don't actually see him coming out, which sounds like a good thing because it sounds like it was a bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go back and do a very, very brief like Cole's notes yeah. overview of the birth because I think, I think it was pretty clear what happened. So Jackie's water broke. Um, and almost a day later, contractions started, yeah. which is funny because when I was actually telling this story right after, I kind of forgot that it took that long for it to start. But um, yeah, contractions started. They, I mean, really short version is like they started, they amped up, they stopped. They started, they amped up, they stopped. It happened, like, happened a few times. Yeah. But like the last few times was like amping up to the point of like pushing and then everything just going away and stopping. It was probably the most frustrating thing ever. Yeah. Um, and then at some point, our midwife really urged us to do a vaginal check, which you guys know we're pretty against, but it was like two days in, I think, and we were like, well... Well, no, it was... I mean, we can give a bit more detail than that. 
they first, the first intervention that they wanted to do, it's not really an intervention, but it felt like one to me, was the castor, castor oil. oil, which I'm sure you heard me grumbling <laughs> on the recordings about. I really didn't want to do it. And everyone kept saying, it's going to be fine. You just like, you know, puke maybe, and then you have some diarrhea, and then it gets things going. It really works. It's so effective. And I mean, it did, but it also gave me diarrhea, but it kept, I had diarrhea for like three days. Mm-hmm. because of it. It was awful, and they kept making me take more. Well, they only made me take it twice. They tried to make me take it a third time, at which point I was already in the birth pool, and I was like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, so then then they did a vaginal exam, and... Well, the first vaginal exam was to tell me whether I should use the castor, the castor oil lot, because I was really resistant, and I just it had been, I don't know, at the point, maybe like a day-ish of contractions or... Stuff. Yeah, a day and a half or something. I don't know. It's hard or to... Or no, make. I think it was like after the 24-hour mark was when we were going to start to consider... It was 24 hours after the water broke? Yep. Right, yes. Um, because typically like a regular, more like medicalized sort of practitioner would have me... We said that. Did we say that? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's hard to remember. It's we gave up For the first few right. days, because not a lot was happening, we were talking about it a lot more. Right. Anyway, um... So she did the check and basically said, yeah, you should take the castor oil, which was really disappointing to me because I felt like, okay, I guess things aren't progressing. And what she didn't tell us, but she told our doula, who told me later, was that you were at one centimeter. Yeah. Um, and I knew I knew to ask her not to tell me how dilated I was. Did I say this already? I think it was on the recording. Yeah. Anyway, because I didn't want it to be discouraging to me it really would have been at that point I think mm-hmm. anyway I didn't know until later after um so then things progressed for another day or two I guess and then I was like in the pool pushing 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 finally it was just like I don't know what the hell's happening you could you heard that part um, yeah you said I don't think my body's doing it I think it's me yeah at which point her midwife was like hmm and then she looked and she was like yeah I don't know she said it first she was like I don't think you're pushing into the right place and then I was like, I don't feel like I'm, like, my body's doing this anymore. I feel like now I'm doing it. Like, I was still having contractions. But the pushing sensation the pu- was gone. Yeah, the pushing had but gone But you were away. still forcing it. But I was still just doing it because I thought I was supposed to. And then it wasn't until I was, like, really, I think because I was just so into the rhythm of doing it that once she said that, then I started thinking about it. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing, like, my body's fucking given up again. Um, I don't think I've ever felt so frustrated and confused. Because everything I know about birth was, like, not happening. <laughs> like your yeah. body tells you what to do. You just follow your body. If you give your body enough time and space, things will happen. None of that was true for me. Um, which is so frustrating because those were the things that always irked me that, like, people would intervene and, like, fuck with all of that stuff. And what I'd always heard and told myself was, like, if you just wait long enough, the baby will come out. And that just wasn't happening. I waited so long. I tried so long. I, like, maybe, I don't know, I look back on it and, like, probably eventually it would have happened. Maybe I would have been in labor for, like, three or four more days. Who knows? But I don't know how a person can, like, I just, I couldn't. I could I hadn't slept or eaten. Like, I don't know how you can do that with that little reserve. Yeah. So when the second, when it came time to do the second vaginal check which was at like 70 something hours, I think. Um, Same thing. I said, just don't tell me. Um, Just tell me what what we should do based on what you figure out. And she said, I think you should go to the hospital and get an epidural. How did you feel? 
I mean, you can kind of hear it on the on the recording, but were you like immediately relieved or were you immediately sad? Both. It still makes me sad when I think about it because it's not it's not what I wanted. Yeah, it's weird. I haven't really talked about this much. Um, it's not what I wanted and it's not how I wanted to feel, I think was the bigger thing because I didn't feel like I had any control over anything. And I know that's not necessarily how you're supposed to feel during labor, but I didn't feel like I knew what was happening anymore. And I wanted to feel like, I don't know, grounded and I wanted to feel like I don't know what the word is just like I just did so much like I, I feel like I was so informed ahead of time but it didn't seem to matter mm-hmm. and that was really frustrating for me because I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do yeah and it was hard not to feel like I was failing somehow so all at once I felt really really sad and really disappointed but I was so relieved because I was so tired and I was afraid that if I made that decision, if I asked for that, that I would be giving up. And I think I would have looked back. Wow. I think I would have looked back on it and felt really disappointed in myself if I had asked. Did, did you feel like asking before she said it at no. all? Okay. No, I just. So if she hadn't suggested, if she was like. I would never have said it. Yeah. I would never have said it. I think just hearing it from somebody who knows birth so well was like, okay, so it's not just me. I'm not just like, yeah, wow. It was really interesting because I have been telling myself that I don't need to talk to the like, the traumatic birth counselors, but I think maybe I, maybe maybe I do. Because you just kind of move on and you think like, oh, it's fine. Like, I've moved past that because so much other stuff has happened since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't... <laughs> it's still right there. Well, that was unexpected. Anyway, um, so yeah, that was, I think... A really hard I can't say the hardest part there was no like the hardest part <laughs> um that was a really hard part though once we decided that it was like okay good something else is gonna happen because I couldn't see an end to what this like horrible pattern that we were in mm-hmm. um but then it was waiting yeah once you it's like those transitional like moments I guess. the only thing I can equate it to is like and this is gonna seem like a very weird comparison but when you have to pee and you're like finally at your front door and you have to pee more suddenly yeah. it's like more even unbearable. though you've been like coping with it it's yeah. suddenly more unbearable and it's because you know you're close and you know it's going to end so i feel like that was kind of the same thing like you knew that you were going to go to the hospital you're going to get an epidural so yeah. you were just like your body was like i don't want to do this anymore yeah. and your ability to like cope with the pain just like went out the window for some reason yeah i think the whole thing was like a huge lesson in how psychological birth is Mm -hmm. like it's not obviously it's physical like nobody's questioning that but and that it's like the flip side of what you're talking about is how I had felt so many times like okay we're like pushing it's gonna happen like at one point I'm in the pool and I'm like I'm gonna have a baby tonight like (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was listening to that like you're an idiot you don't fucking know anything you're not having a baby tonight it's gonna be like 40 more hours or whatever it was you know yeah it was weird too because 
at one point your contractions ramped up so quickly uh that kendall actually took me aside oh my god i should tell that story before that happens so at this point i think it was like yeah this was so the baby was born there were there were two incidences in the birth where i peed my pants a little bit oh well that's so cute (laughs) because there were several incidents where i shit myself oh silas it's okay um so the first moment that was like kind of it, I I think of them as the moments of levity mm-hmm. slash intenseness intent intensity intenseness. Um, the first one was when was after after I took the first dose of castor oil. Sorry, this is jumping around a bit. Anyway, after I took the first dose of castor oil, it had been a really long time. I hadn't slept, and they were like, "Okay, just try and sleep. Take the castor oil. Do your best to sleep between contractions." I could not tolerate contractions on my back. Oh my god, lying down in a contra- on my side, anything like lying down during a contraction was horrible. It was horribly uncomfortable. Um, so <laughs> Kendall propped me up on my stomach. She put like four pillows under my chest, basically, and I was like trying to like I was kind of like draped over them. It was pretty much impossible to sleep through them, and I was kind of fighting the contractions. Like I wasn't like going with my body anymore. I was kind of resisting them because they were really painful. And I was trying to sleep. Um, and at that point I was wearing a diaper because I had in the first like 24 hours, my water kept breaking. I kept having huge gushes of water, big amounts of bloody show. And that was part of, I think part of why I was so disappointed why it was so confusing to me what was happening because everyone kept saying, Oh, that's a really good sign. That means that your cervix is thinning out. All this work that normally happens during hard labor is happening beforehand, which was totally not true. It was just like, Mm -hmm. whatever, I don't know, tons and tons of blood. And uh, mucus and stuff. Anyway, so I'm wearing a diaper. I'm trying to sleep. I think maybe three or four contractions. And just sleeping next to me or trying to. Poor thing was like between, it was like first I would have a contraction and then she would like be all stressed out and go check on Sterling and then she'd come back because Sterling was napping, I think. Or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And then I would have another contraction and wake her up. She'd just be about to fall asleep but have a contraction. And then um, I felt like I had to fart. And I actually shit my pants. <laughs> so at least you're wearing a diaper, though. Yeah, I was wearing a diaper, and I pooped, and it like I was like in the middle of like this really painful contraction. I was so pissed off, and then it just I sh- basically sharted, and <laughs> then it stopped the contraction. And I just started laughing, and you were like, "What?" You like turn around, you're like, "What? What?" Because you had a pillow over your head. You like turn around, you're all concerned, and I was like, "Nothing. I just shit myself. I guess the castor oil's working. Just like go back to sleep." And you were like, "Um." do you need help? And I was like, nope, I can clean, I can change my own diaper. It's fine. I just left the room, went to the bathroom, had like intense amounts of diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And I had nothing in my system other than that smoothie that you made me with the castor oil. And it like came out the way it went in. It was disgusting. But um, I, so I ended up changing my diaper and I came into the living room and Kendall was like trying to sleep too. And I was like, all right, Kendall, I just shit myself. <laughs> it's, it's like time. It's go time. Let's do this. And it was just sort of like this moment of levity. I was like laughing at myself enough that I was like, okay. Cause I was really pissed off and really disappointed before that. Cause that was like the first sort of like, this isn't working. Start again mm-hmm. moment. And then it just sort of changed my, it just like pulled my head out of my ass. Basically. I was like, okay. Yeah. Stop being so mad about this just do it and then the second moment (laughs) that was 
<laughs> so ridiculous. Oh my God. Was, Wait, um, are you telling this? I guess you should tell it because I wasn't, I feel like I wasn't, <laughs> I was like having an out of body experience you at the time. You fucking useless at that moment. Okay, so this is like later that day, I think. Or the next day. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Some point. It was the longest day of my life. Um, that I was in the bathroom and this was at the point when they were trying to get me to take castor oil the third time, I think maybe. And I kept getting into the pool and then having to get out. No. This is before the pool. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so hard to remember. It doesn't matter what it was. Anyway, Anyway, the point is... I'm in the bathroom. (laughs) Um, Because Kendall kept telling me to try and have contractions on the toilet, which is like a very helpful position, but it's also really painful. Um, I'm so sad we didn't get this on recording because it would have been (laughs) so funny. You would not have understood any of what was happening. (laughs) It would have just been like a horrendous sounding thing. Anyway, so I'm on the toilet. I'm having, all at the same time, a contraction. I'm having diarrhea and I'm throwing up <laughs> so Kendall is helping me I and the lights are off for some reason so Kendall's standing in front of me she's got a bowl or you got the bowl or somebody got the bowl yeah we're both, so, holding, you're both the bowl. holding the bowl and <laughs> and Angie and Kendall start having this laugh attack because you tell the backstory on that you don't what? remember I don't know what the backstory is all I know you is don't... Kendall started laughing and I no, don't you remember Kendall was talking about Oh, maybe this is, like, too personal that we shouldn't tell that part. Okay. So, you and Kendall are just, like, beyond exhausted. You start having a laughing fit. You're, I think, trying to stay on your feet, but you start, like, falling to your knees and pulling the bowl down. (laughs) Meanwhile, Kendall's holding the bowl up too high, so I can't even get into it. The bowl's, like, going up and down. The bowl's trying to, like... I'm, like, desperately trying to stay on the toilet where I'm having liquid shooting on my ass, hold the bowl down so that I can actually get the other liquid coming out the other end in the bowl and, like, yell at you guys at the same time to be like, what the fuck are you doing? It was ridiculous. And we were both laughing so hard. Oh, and I was also pushing. Yeah. It was, a, like, one of the first pushing contractions, I think, that I had. Oh, and Kendall's on speakerphone with the midwife. <laughs> And so she like leaves the room. She's like, did you hear that? I think things are progressing. Uh, <laughs> it was so ridiculous. And after that. And it was like, I was laughing so hard and Kendall was, and we, it was like mm. one of those moments. Oh, we didn't even tell the part where like our friend Lucia had taken Sterling out to the park and they came home during this like cacophony of craziness. <laughs> yeah. And then right after that, Kendall's like, Angie, come with me. Because this really intense contraction like came out of nowhere and followed by another one pretty quickly after that. And she pulled me into the kitchen and she was like, so, so what I've seen in the past with really long labors like this that have like started and stopped, once it gets going, the baby comes really fast. She's like, I just called the midwife, but I'm um, I'm sorry if we're going to have... Because she's 20 minutes away. ...have an unassisted birth. And I was like, yeah. what? Kendall, sh-. I actually said, Kendall, fuck you. <laughs> and she was like, it's fine. It's fine. It's probably not going to happen, but I'm just letting you know. And I was like, are you kidding me? And yeah, Lucia and Sterling had just gotten home and like getting ready for bed. And I go in there and I'm like, do you have Netflix? She's like, yeah. I'm like, pull up Puff and Rock, stay in here no matter what. And she was like, okay. I was like... And I kind of gave her, like, I was like, Kendall says a baby might be born really soon. She was like, okay. I was like, just stay in here. And ran back out and was, like, attending to you. But oh, and that I had was no so idea funny. anybody was talking about that. I was just like, holy fuck. Because all of a sudden <laughs> shit was, like, getting real for me. And then another moment. And this was so, this was when we were at the hospital. And you had finally Whoa, gotten an epidural. we haven't even gotten there yet. I know, but this is. But you're jumping ahead. 
but it's not it has nothing to do with anything it was like right. oh right kendall i'm just talking about me peeing my pants right um the dog <laughs> fucking i was so tired at this point oh. i hadn't slept either yeah. i was like yeah. hearing shit i was really losing my mind well, and even on like a good day you can't nap so with this much shit going on you were like i think maybe you slept for like 20 minutes here and there like, yeah it was rough it was really bad um but yeah kendall and sarah my friend like pulled up a picture of a funny looking dog and it like sent me over the fucking oh, edge you, like, and i had to mind. run to the bathroom and i like burst out of the hospital room so quickly mm-hmm. and was like keeled over trying to catch my breath because i was laughing so hard you laughing you were like making zero sound and we're just i was over. i was doing the like silent laughter that you do before you let out like a big <laughs> and the nurses at the nurse station were like oh I could like kind of see them out of the corner of my eye staring at me and then like ready to like run to you yeah what's wrong and then I like took off to the bathroom and as I was passing them one of the nurses was like oh my god I thought she was having a heart attack (laughs) (laughs) yeah thankfully (laughs) with with our birth team birth team there was definitely some some levity and then they kept pulling up the picture of the dog, and I was, <laughs> was like, "Fuck you guys!" Like every oh single God. time, yeah. it would and then send they sh- me into like, and they show me, and I'm just like, "Uh huh, <laughs> it's a fat dog." Like I don't get it. I was, was so like really funny looking. <laughs> no, not when you're in the middle of like the craziest labor of your life. Oh, the other funny thing that happened that we didn't get on the recording was that so we get in the car after oh. <laughs> all this schmozzle, and we're driving to the hospital. Jackie's having contractions, extra, super painful. And for some reason, I'm thinking, I'll go down this side street. It'll be faster than a main road. Even though it's like 11-something on a Thursday night. <laughs> I know. But I, it was a poor choice. Yeah. So You weren't thinking straight. I don't think you should have been driving, honestly. At that point, you were probably not safe to drive. Oh, but whatever. Thankfully, there's nobody on the road. Um, yeah, so the way that I imagine it is the scene from Harry Potter when he gets onto the night bus. And it's like ripping around through the streets of London. It's going super fast. And then it's like, and it stops for this old lady or old man who's crossing the road with like a walker. And it's like, it just slows down. It's like a full minute of like this old lady walking. So we're doing that. We're like ripping, ripping. And all of a sudden we're like, and we stop because they're repainting the lines on the road. Like a crosswalk. The crosswalk on the road. And this guy's just standing there with this, the sign in the dark, like middle of the night construction. It's like chewing gum with the sign said stop and then the guy who's painting the lines is going slow as fuck yeah and then out from behind our car comes running our amazing doula kendall and starts i can just see her gesticulating (laughs) pointing towards us pointing towards us and then pointing the other way and like and she was saying like they're about to have a baby right now and they need to get through and he just looked at her and he went well shit come on through then so she like runs back to her van and we all go yeah drove through the wet paint yeah yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, but that whole ride was excruciating. Like, waiting for you guys to pack the car, I was just sitting here in the living room, just like, because you were like, what do I pack? Because we didn't have a possible bag, because we are like, so sure we weren't going to mm-hmm. need one. Um, and then and then also, like, we've got a birth pool set up that it's not safe to leave up. And then, so Kendall's trying to tell Lucia how to take down the birth pool, and Kendall's trying to do some stuff before she leaves, and... Jill's packing up her stuff, and, like, it was just, like, chaos. But amidst all of it, it's, like, those scenes in, like, movies or whatever where one, the, like, main character's sitting still, and there's just, like, tons of movement and blurs like around. Like, time lapse. That's what it felt like for me. And I was just, like, sitting there waiting and waiting and just in excruciating pain and, like, 
doing my best to kind of not lose my mind is mm-hmm. sort of what I and Lucia came in at one point she was like I don't even remember what she said it was something like how are you doing and I was just like I don't know like I couldn't even answer her I was just sort of like I'm not okay um because she was so like tentative she was like you're doing really amazing and I was like yeah in my head I was like fuck you like <laughs> which is you know whatever she does she's just being super supportive and nice yeah. but I was just so I think raw maybe is the word mm-hmm. like completely like stripped down like I felt like an animal mm. so we finally get in the car and the car ride was so painful oh my god sitting was uncomfortable every bump every like lurch was so awful I felt nauseous the whole time so Kendall gave me a bowl but I didn't end up throwing up we finally get into labor and delivery and I like couldn't sit I was having contractions I was just like just get me the fuck up thankfully it was like pre-registered so it didn't take that long yeah and then we get up there, and I was just like, do something. Make me feel better. It was like a massive room. And I had to have a contraction on the toilet, and I couldn't sit. The to- Fuck. This makes me so mad when I think about it now. The toilet was so high, I- my feet couldn't touch the floor. And having a contraction on the toilet is painful, especially when you have no... Um, leverage. Leverage, yeah. yeah. So Kendall stood in front of me so I could put my feet on her feet while I was having a contraction on the toilet. And I think also having diarrhea for like the eight millionth time. <laughs> She is not just an amazing doula, but a very amazing friend. Um, and then they finally gave me the gas, and I was just like, <sighs> like it didn't actually. It was very weird being on the the like gas because it didn't make me feel better, but it made me like the whole. I think every time I was having a contraction, I would put the mask on and just breathe and think the whole time, like, Alice hurts, Alice hurts, this isn't making it better, this isn't making it better, but I wouldn't take it off. Mm -hmm. And then it would start to feel better by the end of the contraction, but then I was like, but this is just the contraction ending. But I still huffed on that gas, but then it, like, does weird things, it makes your mouth feel weird, you get really pasty and super thirsty, and they're like, oh, we don't want you to eat in case you have to have surgery. Yes, I don't know. So that was rough. And then they got fluids in me, too, because I was super dehydrated. Like, the amount of diarrhea I had, no wonder. And I wasn't really, like, drinking much. Or I think my – before we left, my throat was so sore from all the contractions that Kendall was – From, like, yelling and yeah. moaning. Like, Kendall was coaching me to, like, have silent contractions. And then she was giving me, like, honey water and stuff because I was just so raw and raspy. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Why is that making you laugh? I was just thinking about like, I don't know, 30 hours in or whatever. And this was in the podcast. And Kendall's like. What? <laughs> she was like, have some honey sugar water. Honey sugar water. And then we were all like, sugar water, agrosote. <laughs> It's like a men in black like, moment. Wow, I'm starting to say some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. We some all honey of... sugar water. Yeah. Um, anyway, so. Yeah, so I'm like super dehydrated. They get me fluids and then they finally get me someone up to do the epidural. And I was terrified. Yeah. Andrew says I hit it well, but I was so scared. You were so brave during that. I was like, oh, Jackie's not scared at all. And then right after they put it in and we're like, okay, you're good to go. She was like, that was so scary. And I was like, oh my God, I had no idea that you were that scared. Um, I did record the epidural going in, but it's, there's not a lot to hear. It was pretty quiet in there. And it was just like a lot of like clanking and kind of like, okay, so yeah. lean forward. And they're just, it wasn't that interesting to listen to. 
Yeah. Well, I was sitting, <coughs> I was sitting on the edge of the bed, but the bed was like, it's like a hospital bed. It's not, it wasn't flat or anything. So I was sitting on like a, an uneven part of it essentially and trying to have contractions without having my feet touch anything was really uncomfortable. Um, and I just remember feeling so scared that they were going to put the needle in while I was contracting and just being like, wait until my contraction's over. Please wait until my contraction's over. And like, I had to hug this pillow and it was just it was really, really uncomfortable. Which is funny because they put them in contracting women all the time. They're not going to be like stupid enough to do it while you're having a contraction. I know, but I, I don't know. I was yeah. scared. Um, and I just remember when it finally went in, feeling the cold because it's this cold feeling that runs down your back. And it was just like this like full body sigh. It was just like, <sighs> it was amazing. And then if you heard that grunt, that's Silas. <laughs> it's the gruntiest baby on the block. Um, it didn't actually, it took them a while to figure out the epidural and to get it ahead of the pain because I could still feel the contractions and stuff. So I wasn't sleeping right away because they really wanted me to just rest. That was like the first goal was like, get into the hospital, just rest. Mm-hmm. So I think it took about two hours, if my recollection is correct. It's probably not, but about two hours because they had the anesthesiologist come in and then they had them come back. And I was, because you can like amp it up it. yourself. But you they can boost it only a certain amount of times yeah. an hour. And I was doing that and even that wasn't enough. So then they're like, okay, we need to do more. So they had to like, <laughs> anyway. So once they finally figured that out, it was like the best feeling in the world because I could mm-hmm. finally sleep. And at this point, you were losing your mind. I was starting to like lose it a little bit. I don't know if you could hear it. You can hear it in the recording. But if you remember, in a lot of the later recordings, um, you can hear some like violin, like cello music. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Cello music in the background. And I didn't add that in. That was just playing all <laughs> night as like Jackie was contracting for the last like two days. I think the last, at least the last 24 hours nonstop. And it was these eight songs. It's called Cello Yoga on Spotify. And it was really beautiful. And it was really nice because it wasn't annoying. And I didn't feel like we were listening to only eight songs the whole time. But it was like when I got to the hospital and I was starting to get delirious, I thought that it was playing in the hospital room. I kept thinking that, like, I kept checking my phone being like, is is it on? Because I could hear it so clearly. Yeah, and I couldn't make it stop. Like, it was, like, even if, when I laid down and I had pillows over my head, I could still hear it. It was, like, making me feel nuts. Oh, no. And I was so overexhausted that my heart was racing, mm-hmm. and I couldn't, I kept worrying about Sterling, and I was, like, oh. so preoccupied with the fact that it was, like, her first night away from us. And I remember when we were, like, when things finally calmed down when we were in the hospital, we both just cried about how much we missed her. Well, I didn't want to tell you that I missed her. Because I felt like... But then I said it, and we were like, me too. We both just started bawling, because I was like, holy shit, this kid has been, like, passed around so much in the last, like, four days. That part really bums me out, too, because it was never how I wanted it. Like, I didn't really talk about it much, but she was around as much as she could be, as much as we could manage, um, while I was in labor, and she was amazing. Mm-hmm. She would, like, hold my hand when I was in a con- having a contraction, and rub my leg, and um say it's okay mom it's Mm -hmm. okay and then she would high five me and then high five angie and then high five kendall after every contraction it was like it was the sweetest thing and i really wanted her around as much as she could be and i wanted it to be i think she was around as much as she could be she was but Mm -hmm. um she was also not around us a lot right and then um 
I really had hoped that she could be there when the baby was born and that that would that that would help her transition into like having a little brother and it's been a really rough transition for her yeah we can we'll get into that yeah after the this is gonna be like an eight-part podcast (laughs) no we're gonna do it all in one no we have nothing better to do um so then except pack blah 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 blah. and as you could hear in the podcast she gets dilated and no they've like once they've finally rested they're like we're gonna give you oxytocin well we don't have to like yeah we know that we're, this is supposed to be cole's notes and we're already half an hour in right <laughs> obviously you get oxytocin you get dilated you're pushing and you can actually hear on the podcast i would recommend going back and listening and it's in part three when Jackie's starting to push at the hospital and you can hear Silas's heartbeat and it's like it slows down so much and then they're like okay turn over and that is to try and cue the baby to like kind of like you know perk up and to maybe change positions if something's well the whole time pinching a cord or something like that pretty much the whole time I was in there um they were having me on my left side yeah. Like, even before pushing and while I was still dilating and stuff, his heart rate just was better when I was on my left side. So once I started pushing, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, get her on her left side because his heart rate was dropping considerably. Like, yeah. down to, like, 50 or something. I think the lowest I saw it was 40, and it was, like, in the 140s at, like, his normal state. Yeah. And I was, like, I could see that on the monitor, but you can see it was behind your head, and so I was kind of like, hmm, this doesn't seem great. It's so weird because I was so in a zone that I wasn't aware of it and nobody was really talking about it like outwardly I don't yeah not until a few after you tried it a few times and then and then our midwife was like well you know the baby's not loving me so maybe we should go talk to the OB and the OB was great yeah I think I mean I for some reason had it in my one thing that I was really having a hard time with was suddenly having a change of like care givers yeah like the people that were taking care of us, I didn't want to be under the care of an OB. I wanted to stay with our midwives. I didn't want to hear what the OBs had to say. Yeah. I wanted to well, hear it all you, from our midwives. When you go to the hospital, your midwife stays with you, but any like, there are decisions that are no longer in their scope yeah. of care or practice, and they know what those things are. Mm-hmm. So once his heart rate started dropping so much, that's when our midwife was like, oh, I'm just going to go talk to the OB, and she, she did, and then he came in, and we had a couple more contractions with him, and he mm-hmm. sort of... At that point, it was like, okay, so basically your baby's heart rate, your baby's not tolerating pushing very well. And you could keep pushing, but eventually... This is on the recording. Right. Okay, <laughs> so I won't say anything else. Sorry, it's, I don't remember. It's hard. Um, so talking to the OB was great. Like, it was... I wasn't scared when he was telling me this stuff for some reason. I think I was just so exhausted that I was just sort of like, okay. I wasn't scared either, but I thought... You were resistant. You were like saucy <laughs> i thought that he not saucy salty <laughs> salty you were salty with him i just i thought that i can't even explain they were it. pushing their agenda not no no even more so that they were like okay i guess we'll like let her try it with forceps but really it's not going to work we just have to do that to try and make this like mom happy who tried to have a home birth i thought that they were like placating us and i asked him that too which is funny because that's not how it came across at all that's just like your like overtired warped brain yeah thing yeah i was just i wasn't into trying things that weren't going to work anymore 
I was just like, if it's a C-section, say it's a C-section. Don't go to forceps and then have us be a C-section because we, we already tried like, like home birth and hopes again. Yeah, because it was yeah. like, okay, home birth, nothing. Okay, castor oil. Okay, more castor oil. Okay, in the birth pool, out of the birth pool, in the birth pool. Okay, this, that, and the next thing. Okay, hospital. Okay, epidural. Okay, pushing. Okay, baby's heart rate drops. Okay, now we're gonna do forceps and it's gonna eventually be C-section. Like fuck that. Just give us like the whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. Let's do it right now because I'm over this. Which is nice because it really, really wasn't your decision. <laughs> no. Um, but it was nice to have you ask that question because it was like, I was sort of just like, okay. Because I just, at that point, was just like, I trust my midwives. I trust my doula. She's not telling me anything different either. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just keep doing what they tell me, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then... And they were like, we were at BC Women's Hospital and it's a very like woman-centered care kind of place it's not sort of the typical ob telling you what to do not asking for consent just making decisions and scaring the shit out of you into like do like it wasn't like that so i know that already and it's like a very forward-thinking hospital so i already felt like if anything i was in a good place so that was helpful but Mm -hmm. i just was so like i don't know what's happening i just need this baby to come out like i just needed needed to know he was okay and he was safe and that decision was so easy for me which is so strange looking back on it because I don't think I would have expected that but it was just like I don't care anymore like if my baby's not safe if his heart rate is dropping that's scary I don't want him to be unsafe I want to do whatever we can to get him out but I do want to try the force up thing because you, you're telling me it's got a good chance of working yeah and I really still was very not into getting a, having a c-section and it was really yeah, just I don't like, think that I was fully convinced that the forceps would work. You weren't, but I was determined to make it work because I was like, I don't want surgery. Surgery is scary. I've never been cut open. Like, mm-hmm. it's that's not a thing that's happened to me. Like, being in the hospital at all was new for me. I've never been in the hospital. Like, I've been to the hospital. I've gotten checked out at the hospital. I've never been admitted to a hospital, been a patient, been hooked up to an IV. Like, that was my first IV. That Like, it was a very new experience for me. And, yeah. um... So I just, I don't know. It was... And then also at this point, because of like the fact that I was so lacking sleep and I couldn't sleep and everything, I told Kendall to get me out of van <laughs> and she came to our house because she was, she needed to like sleep. So she came here for a little bit and got me my prescription out of van yeah. and brought it back to the hospital and I took half of one and it Which helped is- a little bit and I slept for maybe an hour or something yeah and they have like a decent sort of bench thing that you can sleep yeah but it's also hard because the entire time there's two people in the room yeah which i didn't expect to either i I was like waiting for them to leave and i was like oh they don't leave it's just a one-to-one patient ratio Stay here the whole time but the first nurse we had because we got there during the night shift was great but then when she left at seven in the morning the people that took over, it was, like, one nurse who was actually training another nurse who was also being overseen by another nurse. So it was, like, three people there. Mm-hmm. It was kind of crazy to have that many caregivers. Um, and then very stark <laughs> as to what happens afterwards. But um, all the staff were fantastic. They were so good. Mm-hmm. So once Jackie got wheeled away, once it was decided, like, hey, let's try the forcep thing. But because it was, like, if the forces don't work, you're having a C-section, it had to go to the OR. Yeah. Which was weird mm-hmm. super weird and it was really cool because they allowed kendall to come in to the or like Ange and kendall 
and they don't have to give doulas privileges for that mm-hmm. and they did so that was really awesome yeah so got up got our scrubs on and just sat and basically waited and for me it just and took another like, Ativan <laughs> yeah I didn't know that until later but it was weird it was really weird for me I wasn't scared or anything but it was just sort of like overwhelming because there was so much activity and all these people talking over me like I wasn't really there and oh and our OB was like because the first person we talked to was the resident and then when we talked to the like big big cojones like head honcho dude and he was strange <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know very strange bedside manner like he punched me in the arm and was like yeah well like figure this out punch punch and i was like um what the fuck just had like a very like dude guy kind of persona mm-hmm. which was weird and then i later learned that like that's sort of his or guy persona and then when you're like one-to-one he's actually really gentle and nice and has like a really nice bedside manner but at first I was like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) um anyway so we go into the OR and they've like given me the most intense nerve block because it 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 had to be enough for a c-section as well I couldn't feel a thing I felt like I had like dead meat attached like it was weird it was so weird I remember hitting my leg and being like what the fuck is that and I was hitting it and I was like (laughs) oh my god it's my leg like it was so strange it was the weirdest feeling um and so they were just like, okay, so we're going to use the forceps. And um, they would tell me to push. And I just remember thinking, like, I have no idea what that means. Like, Do you remember when I came in? Did they say you were going to get your wife? Not really. I remember you being there because you, like, held my hand. Or you were, like, next yeah. to my head. But, like, I couldn't really see behind me. And that's where you and Kendall and Steph all were. Like, the midwife and the doula and you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really see everybody, which was weird. Because the people I can see are, like, I couldn't really see much, honestly. <laughs> um... But just the feeling of trying to push when you can't feel anything was so weird. And I had these weird visualization thing where I was like pulling on these um, like big ropes, like (laughs) that I was pulling these ropes because it was the only way I could like focus. I don't know. It's such a weird, I don't even know how to describe it. But you're just like pushing, but you honestly don't know what's happening, Mm -hmm. if anything's happening. But yeah so when i came in you were super shaky from the anesthetic oh yeah you were like trembling majorly yeah. like i had like tremors in my hands it was like, yeah you were like yeah. hey and you're like chattering yeah it's kind of like weird to see yeah um apparently that's normal but then and i didn't even realize that they gave me morphine hmm. i guess that's like normal that they do that with a nerve block but i had no idea nobody said anything that part i was kind of like what the fuck or maybe they didn't i don't remember it i don't know but i really don't think anyone said anything about it you didn't you didn't seem like you're on morphine Morphine's pretty intense. You would have been like, no, I was on it though. It probably hadn't kicked in by the time you came in, because they probably would have just given it to me. Yeah, or they just gave you so little that it wasn't like making you ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, anyway, they were like, okay, we're gonna go with the forceps now. And here I'm thinking like they're gonna try, it's not gonna work. Um, and the first thing that I heard was that the nurse said oh your baby has a full head of hair and then no 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 before that even happened i think is when they said okay this is just you now no it was was right after that because they yeah they pulled him down they said your baby has a full head of set of hair and then they're like hey now it's you the forceps are off it was just one contraction right with the forceps yeah so they did one contraction and basically he he his head was so big i'm guessing i'm assuming that he wasn't descending their birth canal so that's why labor took so long because he wasn't like hitting against the cervix in order to help thin it out 
But they just needed to bring him down. Once they did that, they were like, okay, you can do this. Yeah, so they brought him down so he was crowning. And that's when yeah. they saw his full set of hair and, or her full head of hair. And I was like, oh, oh my God. I know. And I'm actually going to do it. And I heard that and I was like, there's a, they can see the baby. Holy <laughs> shit. I was like so floored and was like, oh my God, this is like, I remember just thinking this is actually going to happen. Like finally, finally, this is actually going to happen. And then I was like, there's, and then I think, oh, I forgot right before they started too. Somebody behind me, I think it might have been the anesthesiologist, I don't remember, but somebody said, like, okay, guys, let's get going, like, 50-50 chance this will work. Something. I don't know why the anesthesiologist would say that. Well, I don't it know who else was back the there. the resident or the OB. But they were down at my feet. But the I really anesthesiologist being... doesn't, like, talk, tell anyway. the OR, the, like, surgeon what to do. No, but it was more like, be prepared for the C-section kind of, I don't know. Anyway, like I said, I don't know who said it. But I remember hearing that and just being mad and being like, <laughs> fuck that. Because nobody had given me odds. They were just like, we're going to try it. We think it could work. Um, and I heard that and I, like that, I swear, is the reason that I was like, it like made me mad enough to have the drive to be like, I'm not having a C-section. Um, so I was just like pushing with my whole everything, whatever that meant. And I don't know how many contractions it was, but it, it wasn't very many. Like three, maybe? Two or three. And he came out. And I just remember, because they had told us beforehand, like, if there's any signs of respiratory distress, we're going to have to take him. Because I was like, I really want him chest, like, skin to skin right and away. And delayed cord clamping. And I wanted delayed cord clamping. But when they said that, they were like, because he had had, he and, he and I both had an elevated heart rate and, a, and I had a temperature. And that was like signs of infection. And I had to give me antibiotics. I think that's in the recording. But because of that, that's why they were worried about the like potential for respiratory distress. Mm-hmm. So when he came out, he didn't cry instantly. And I remember seeing him and being like, oh my God, oh my God. Like just so surprised at how amazing and cute he was. And he didn't breathe right away. And then they cut the cord. They like totally jumped the gun. They cut the cord right away. They were literally about to grab him off of me, and then he started crying. It was probably, honestly, within five seconds. They he they pulled him up, they put him on you, and then like, he's not crying. Cut the cord, went to grab him, and then he screamed, and they're like, oh, okay, and put him back. Yeah, I was so like, if he, you had just waited, I know, like, calm down. Yeah, he could have gotten all like that, Sterling. All that breathed cord less. Blood. It took longer for it her. It took to... longer for Sterling to breathe than it did yeah. for him. <laughs> yeah. But there was way different circumstances. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not mad about it. It's just, like, too bad. If they had, like, given it two seconds, then he could have had the benefits of delayed cord clamping. But whatever. He's healthy. It's fine. Um, and they just put him on my chest, and I couldn't hold him. I just remember feeling, like, my hands were shaking so hard. I couldn't hold him. But I just kept thinking, like, oh, my God, he's so cute. He's so cute. He had so... He has it was so, so much hair. <laughs> it was so... And it, like, not one second of disappointment that he was a boy <laughs> i was so happy he was here it didn't matter and i can't imagine being disappointed by him he's so wonderful yeah and then they took him over to the scale and... no he stayed on me for a little bit yeah so and then they first... took him over to the scale yeah and weighed him and he was nine five and we were like holy mother of god and then they measured him and he was 22 inches and we were like holy mother of god and then 
they measured his head and it was 37 centimeters and we were like 37.7 oh. centimeters we we're like holy lord he was just a fucking huge baby yeah. and he had he got stuck we forgot to mention oh, the yeah. shoulder dystocia right 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 so they were struggling with the forceps for a little bit and i i Not heard the forceps that yeah. was, this was after the forceps no it was with they had to like it wasn't after the forceps yeah, they only used it was, the forceps to pull his head down. He was yeah, crying. and it took them a little bit his because shoulder, his shoulder was stuck. No, his You sh- weren't there, Jackie. I was there. I was doing it. I know, it. but once they did that, once they got him passed with his shoulders, then they're like, okay, now it's you, and you pushed him out. No. That really? doesn't make any sense. No. they No. <laughs> they pulled him down so he was crowning. They don't know the shoulder's <laughs> stuck until his head's out. Shoulder dystocia is when the shoulder gets stuck on the hips, and they can tell that because the I head's know already what out shoulder dystocia is. yeah but the head's already out at that point so yeah but head... i remember them struggling and being like and then shoulder and da, 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 da. But it had nothing to do with the forceps before you started pushing no 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 okay no i pushed they pulled him down he was crowning they took the forceps out then i pushed again his shoulder got stuck and they had to like maneuver and then i kept pushing and he came out in that process, I got a third degree tear. Mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't feel it, so that's nice. Um, but I didn't even know he was stuck. I had no idea. Like, they were so calm about it. They were so chill. Um, and that can be really, it can be really dangerous. But um, for all of the awkwardness <laughs> that the OB showed in the, like, labor and delivery, he was the best. And then he came over after the baby was, like, weighed and measured and everything and was back on Jackie's chest and he comes over and he's like you could have pushed till June and that baby wasn't gonna come out of you yeah he was like he was just that's why it was so hard he was just massive <laughs> I was like yeah I see that and I just remember thinking like nine five like what how did he get that big inside of me and I was even more like shocked at how long he was I know so I was like there's only so much room in me how did he get that big like I just kept comparing it to Sterling I was like Sterling was seven ten. He was 9'5". Sterling was 19 inches. He was 22. Sterling's head was like 30, I don't know, 2 inches or, or centimeters or something. Remember. His was 37 and almost 38 centimeters. The average baby is 34. Yeah, that's a lot more centimeters coming out of your <laughs> vagina. No wonder he ripped me a bunch. Um, but it was funny because I really wanted to see the like devastation that was oh. Jackie's vagina. Mm-hmm. So I was in the OR after like Everything was, like, calming down, and they were stitching her up, and baby skin to skin and whatever, and so I kind of start to, like, mosey on down to, like, Jackie's nether regions, and I'm, like, about to peek around and, like, see, because I thought, like, tit for tat, you got to see my busted vagina. I want to see your busted vagina. Um, But as soon as I, like, kind of start to peek around, like, our midwife popped out of nowhere and, like, stands right in front of me between Jackie and me, and is like, hey, what's up? And I was like, oh, um, I was wondering, are you going to come back and hang out with us in our hospital room? And she's like, yep, and just stood there like, you're not, not letting, you're, you're not going to go and see what you want to see. And I was like, oh, fuck. From the sounds of things, it was a bloody mess. Yeah, I did see some blood, but I wanted to, like, see some gore. So after the placenta, I remember them saying to push, and I was like, okay whatever that means <laughs> and did it again and I guess the placenta came out which I was bummed about I really wanted to see the placenta I never got to lay eyes on it um, no we got some pictures of it afterwards like the person the that we sent it to to get it dehydrated and encapsulated 
sent us some photos. Um, Apparently it had had some attitude, <laughs> whatever that means. What was it? It had a... <laughs> There's a term There was for a it. rupture in the cord or something? Placental abruption. Yeah. Something? something? Anyway. Anyways. Um, but yeah, while they were stitching me up, they did skin to skin with Angie, which was in, right in the OR, which was so cool. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like, try, like craning, looking behind me in the operating table like trying to see because i just wanted to see you guys and have see you have your moment which i don't think you actually saw me and sterling because you were being like moved because that's why they do it right yeah when you're not able to yeah yeah um but i just wanted to see you guys Mm -hmm. so badly and then they put him back on me and then took me down to the recovery room Mm mm-hmm where we were for an hour, and the woman who was running that room annoyed the fuck out of me. I know, me too. Every time you asked her a question, she was like, oh, I don't She was like, she just reminded me of like a chicken. She was just like, <laughs> She never gave me a straight answer. She seemed so tentative about it. I everything. asked her where the bathroom was, and she just told me how horrible the hospital was for like five minutes. And I was like, I just want to know where the but bathroom where's the is. Bathroom? I know, and I was like, I had like the pastiest mouth of my entire <laughs> life. Kathy sleeps well. Um, and I just kept being like, water, like what? And she'd be like, okay. And then come back and not have water. I'd be like, where's the water? (laughs) Oh, and then at this point, since I didn't realize that Angie had taken an Ativan right before I went into the OR, she is just like comatose in this, in the chair next to me. I'm like, I'm like on this, like adrenaline high. I'm like, oh my God, it finally happened. I did it. The baby's here. He's here. He's here. He's so cute. He's like breastfeeding. And I'm like, Angie, look, it's so amazing. It's happening. And you're just sitting in the corner, like staring at your phone, like, like nodding out. I wasn't nodding out. I think what I was doing was. No, you were just staring at your phone going, Sarah, how do I Sarah? Siri, Sarah? I was trying to find Sarah. And then I was also, I think preparing an announcement to send to your family so i was like typing that Too up soon yo and i know but i was like getting it ready but you weren't like present and i was like what are you doing and i finally like kind of, kind of like popped out of my bubble and was like what are you doing and then you came over and you were like kind of there with us and you were like nuzzling him and we're like kind of present for a minute and then he went back to being like well because that was after sarah got there um but yeah, later when you told me that you had taken an Ativan, I was like, oh, all the stress had finally gone away. And now the Ativan was like just putting you down, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which was interesting. Um, I wasn't like mad about it. I was just sort of like, what's happening over there? Like, it's yeah. kind of like this peripheral thing because I was so like, whoa. <laughs> so we get out of the recovery room, get up to our, the other, they take you to a different place after you have your baby. You're not in the, you're no longer in labor and delivery. You're in what's it called? Maternity you just had ward? a baby ward. Oh, maternity I guess maternity ward. Yeah. Which apparently we had a big room, but it was like a fucking closet. And apparently that it was like the I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. The staff was like very busy. Yeah. <laughs> Barely present. Uh, my first nurse didn't even bother learning my name and just kept calling me mom, which really pissed me off. Yeah. Um, but the first thing we did when we got there was start, was have, like, Kendall waited and took pictures of us. Yeah, our we friend waiting for Sterling. brought Sterling, and I was, as soon as I saw her, I was like, I missed you so much. I started crying when I got her. And 
and so brought she, her in. That was so strange. I, it was like really important to us that she was the first one, like obviously other than Kendall and Sarah, but um, to come and meet Silas and like have her meet her brother. Mm-hmm. And it was really sweet, but I think she was really confused. Like she, we talked to her about it a lot, but she just like she liked it. She was like, "Oh, I'm poking yeah. him," and yeah. But she really just wanted my boobs. Yeah, those are her true kins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was nice, and it was really good to suddenly to have her back because I think part of the reason, like part of my biggest struggle, was just like I was very preoccupied with her, and I kept being like, "Just she's fine. Yeah. Let that go, so you can like be in the moment." with like this new addition but I couldn't stop it was very it was really annoying yeah I mean it's understandable I think yeah um and then that we sent a message to your family and everything and then that night we planned on because we thought it would be fine you would be at the hospital you and Silas and I was going to go home and have like a chill night with Sterling yeah because we were like Sterling really needs a normal night Mm -hmm. she needs to have a good sleep with mom or with mama Sorry, it was you. Um, and you needed sleep. I was like, you're basically useless to me because you're so tired. And I just wanted to sleep. And then we get this message from our friend Katie, who's been on the podcast. And she was like, don't leave her there. <laughs> yeah, she was like, 911, 911, call me. Like, literally, as I was about to leave the hospital room. And I was like, what? And she's like, my friend just had a baby there. She's, she did the same thing her husband left. And she was ignored all night. Make sure that, like, someone is with her. And so... We were like, oh, okay. So we called your mom. Yeah. And my mom, like, perfect timing. My mom's a nurse. She had just retired. Mm-hmm. And I knew she wanted to come see the baby. And I thought, like, okay, well, I'll see if she's willing. She was just like, yep, I'm there. And in the period of time between Angie leaving and my mom coming, nobody came. I called the nurses to be like, I need help getting my baby. Because I couldn't walk yet. I wasn't able to get up. I still have a catheter. like, And nobody came. It was over shift change. And they just never showed up and never told the next shift to come and it was it was a little scary I was like this is fucked like what am I supposed to do Mm -hmm. um anyway so my mom got there and she just took care of me she was amazing she like she fed me and she you know wiped me down and she adjusted my pillows and she like changed the baby when he needed changing and she brought him to me and like the next but so by the next day the next morning you'd think like okay she'll be getting I was like okay it's time to like get up because you know, had been enough time. Wait, who are you talking about? Me. What do you mean, who am I talking about? <laughs> Sorry, I missed something. So, you're talking about when Steph came, our midwife. No, I didn't say anything. I just said by the next day. Oh. It was like, okay, I should try and get up. Yeah, like, so our midwife came and was like, why don't we get you home today? And I was like, yes, because I was like, all I want is for Jackie to be home because I was feeling very overwhelmed and scattered from everything being so like discombobulated and I was like once we get him home and Jackie home and we're all in one place I can feel like I'm a parent because at this point I just felt very disconnected having to like go back and forth kind of and I didn't want you in the hospital anymore I was just over it I was like I didn't want to be get there either home. get home there. so I try and stand up and I can't I like got really dizzy and I was like about to throw up when I sat back down and they were like okay because I kept saying oh this is weird I'd like try and lift my leg and it would just fall out to the side and I just thought oh it's just the epidural like I don't know yeah and from my perspective uh the midwife was like okay get up like stand at the side of the bed and 
just and it she's took, kind of it took standing. My midwife and my mom both helping me up. Yeah, and then she was probably standing like three feet away from me. She's like, like shuffle towards me, and you were like, I can't. And she's like, I know it, like it's gonna be hard, but like just shuffle towards me, like. And you're like, no, but I, I can't. Like I, you couldn't, I couldn't move my legs. You couldn't move your legs. I literally couldn't pick them up. And I this couldn't was, even move them forwards. Like I couldn't do anything. And this was like well over the well, point at which well over 12 hours afterwards. the epidural should have worn off. Yeah. So she was like, um, sometimes something can get pinched and it can kind of, you know, just make it hard for you. And she was just like left. No, she said like sometimes it can take a while for the epidural to wear, wear off. It's rare, but it can happen. And then But she like, also said sometimes something gonna, can get pinched. I don't remember hearing that. But yeah, she said she, she just left. She said she was going to go talk to somebody. And within 20 minutes, the anesthesiologist was in doing like a full assessment, which was very abrupt and like I didn't know what was happening or what anyone was worried about really but it was like a full assessment which included him like putting his finger in my ass which was like okay that's happening what the hell and it was sort of overwhelming because I was just like what is the concern here and I guess their first concern was that there was nerve damage or not nerve damage but like that the epidural had had caused paralysis or something Mm -hmm. are you still reading no. Sleepy milk drunk baby. So yeah, they're they're worried that the epidural did something. So they're checking that. They're checking the area. Hit something in the spine. Whatever. Yeah. So and that was like they kept checking that and checking like my lower legs, and I kept saying like, oh my, like my upper legs were still numb, um, but my lower legs felt fine. So it took several days for them to figure out what was going on. And I think really it took more than that. But eventually they realized that there was nerve, there was bruising to my nerves from the position my legs were in. And it's funny because we thought it was really weird because it felt like my legs were sort of straight up in the air. They were slightly bent, but they were not, according to like their policy, your legs are supposed to be at a 90 degree angle at the knee and at the hip. Mine, there's no way that mine were. <laughs> no, and it's, yeah, it's funny because we talked about it afterwards and all of us were like, no, your legs were like straight up and down. That's was my memory. Yeah. And then looking back at like the photos, it's not, they're not clear. straight up and down, but they're more at a 45 degree angle, I would say, than yeah. a 90. Yeah. So anyway, so essentially it's just the position or something that caused, because there's a nerve block, your legs are in a position, it doesn't it's like putting pressure on a nerve but your nerves aren't tingling or doing anything to tell you to move or they are and you can't feel it so it just causes them to be bruised and as a result as a result I couldn't so it was my obturator and my femoral nerves you couldn't walk I couldn't walk I couldn't walk it was the craziest thing it's been the longest 11 weeks of my life like it's just been and it took a while to figure that out. It took them, they couldn't get me a physiotherapist right away because at this hospital, they don't have physiotherapists on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I had the baby on Friday afternoon. So thankfully, one of our, well, Sarah is an occupational therapist. So she came in because they were trying to get like people in, on call from the children's hospital. Like they couldn't get anybody. She came in and did like an assessment and kind of helped yeah. me figure out how to stand up at least so that I could get up because it's really hard. Like it's not good for you to just be in bed all the time. They started giving Jackie blood thinners because she wasn't moving. They were worried about clots. My legs were insanely swollen. I've never, like, they were really swollen at the end of my pregnancy, but this was ridiculous. I have stretch marks on my legs, on the backs of my legs from how swollen they were. 
Um, and it just, the first time they said like, this is a thing that can happen. It can take four to six weeks is what they first told us. Right. But then Angie, I guess. Well, hold on. Let's slow down. So they were saying four to six weeks. They just said, um, femoral, femoral nerve injury at at first. At first. And I was like, okay. Thinking. They didn't even give us the four to six week mark because this is part of the reason why I Googled it. It was because we had so little information and I was like, mm-hmm. a nerve injury, Jackie can't walk. They didn't, they could no longer tell us when you're going to get out of the hospital. And I was like starting to kind of like spin out of control. And uh, I... Well, and that was like for both of us, it was like, just have the baby. We just have to get to the point yeah. where we have the baby and oh. then your mobility will get better and life will get easier in some ways and obviously harder in others. Like we knew... It wasn't just going to be easier, but there were the things that had been hard would not be the things that were hard anymore. Yeah, it would be new hard things, which is different hard things, which is what we needed. So this was a night where Jackie's sister came over and she was staying with Sterling at our place, and I was going to stay the night with Silas and Jackie because I was feeling really disconnected, really disconnected from him and from her, and just anyway, I thought that staying the night and like doing the nighttime stuff would be helpful. And then it's, like, one in the morning, and we're just about, like, ready to go to sleep. And I was like, let me just Google this and see what it said. I honestly thought that it was going to make me feel better, that it was going to be, like, common thing, usually resolves in, like, 10 days, blah, 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 some sort of thing that would make me realize that what I was thinking was, like, ridiculous. But it was the opposite. It was pulling up all these stories, this, like, forum that I found that was saying, like, I had my baby two years ago, and I'm just starting to walk. Can I talk to anyone else who's had a femoral nerve injury? Oh, yeah, I had one, and I wasn't able to walk for six months, and, like, all this, like, long, crazy shit. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was suddenly, like, down this tunnel where my wife couldn't walk anymore, and our whole life was was so different, and... She doesn't know it, and I can't tell her, and I can't tell her what I just read, and I feel like crying, and I feel so terrible, and we were also just really super bummed out about the hospital because the nerves, the nurses weren't being great. The hospital room was tiny. Yeah, nurses kept coming in and be like, well, can you just get up and go to the bathroom? And I'd be like, oh, no, I can't walk. Have yeah. you read my chart? And I've been look, here I for have th- a catheter. Like, what are you asking me to do? Can Like, I need you to help me do things. Yeah, and then, so I just read this, and I'm trying to, like, pull it together and my friend kept texting me saying, no matter how bad you feel, don't let Jackie know that you feel bad. Don't let Jackie. And I was like trying to remind myself, like, don't let Jackie know. Like, Jackie needs to just be like positive and fine about the fact that like she can't walk. I can't bum her out more. And then the nurse comes in and you were asking her to do something. I don't know what it was, but she did something really stupid. And I remember you turned to me. <laughs> it's like funny now, but um, and you had like a pillow kind of half under you and like something else and you were like in this kind of fucked up position that the nurse left you in and you're like does she think this is comfortable (laughs) and I just looked and then I just started crying because I was like this is fucking ridiculous yeah you just broke down and I was just like what just happened like what did I miss and I just like and then I couldn't even talk anymore because I couldn't tell you why I was so upset no because she like because in the hospital all they have for the partners is a mat on on the the floor floor. which is fucking terrible Mm -hmm. nobody wants to sleep on a hospital floor um and so you just curled up in a ball on the floor and we're bawling and I was like what is going on 
I didn't understand. And you then were just like, I just feel like I want to hide. And then you ran away. I was like, <laughs> I was just sitting there with the baby and was like, I don't know what's happening. Um, and I guess you went and called Renee. Yeah, because she was the only one who was awake because it was like normal time in Australia. And I was normal like... Time, otherwise known as daytime. Yeah. And so I called her because she just messaged me like right like a couple minutes before that being like, how's everything going like privately, just me and her? And I was like, it's a fucking nightmare. Can I call you? And she was like, yeah. So I called her and I just bawled and I was like, I just read this thing. And, and she was like, yeah, I Googled it too. She's like... I really wish we could be there to help you. And she was just being supportive. Like, yeah, it sounds awful. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, like, cried at her, and it kind of made me feel better. And then I went back. What did I tell you after that? Did I tell you? I didn't tell you what I read no, either. you just said you were... St- I don't even remember. I think I was just, like, I feel really I'm bad about it. I'm overwhelmed or whatever. Yeah. I need to lean forward. This is not, like, the best. I can't. I'll come sit over there. Um, yeah, so that was really really hard because it was just hard to let go of the stuff I read and I was like that's gonna be her yeah and I like it's hard to kind of like think back to where I was in the in that moment I was sort of just overwhelmed I mean I was also completely incapable of sleeping in that fucking hospital it was so hard to sleep our room was like right the ice machine was right outside of it it was a very very loud ice machine yeah and it's a hospital i've never had to sleep in a hospital it sucks i don't know why they think that's a restful place to be it's so not yeah um but it wasn't because nurses were harassing me they were nowhere to be seen (laughs) in the first on the weekend i should say the nurses definitely improved because i ended up being in the hospital for a week um i think that would have been shorter had i had physio right away because once the physio got in they got me a walker and that made a huge difference in my ability to get up and get to the like get to the bathroom things that were really hard was like having the first bowel movement that was terrifying oh my god the, the oh, oh it was terrifying <laughs> um getting the catheter out was really tough i got it out and i couldn't pee and i was like guzzling water and i had like the fullest bladder of life and i still couldn't pee and then they ended up having to put it back in which was really painful because they had to like clean my incision in order to get it back in and it was excruciating it felt like they were scrubbing it with like steel wool or something it's just like all this shit on top of like this really long birth and then this like oh and then every day we were having injury well that was the thing every day we had to coordinate who was going to be with sterling and who was going to be with me because i couldn't be left alone at all and sterling obviously couldn't be left alone either and then angie was just torn like I think it was easier for me in the sense that I was so limited, I could only just do what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I could just be in the hospital and have the baby there and have people bring him to me, and I couldn't do more than that. For you, you were having to do everything else. You were coming to the hospital, you were bringing Sterling to make sure Sterling was having time with us. Seeing me, Sterling was so weird with me in the hospital. She didn't want to come sit with me. She like was interested in the baby, but she like really didn't want to be around me, which was heartbreaking. It like ripped me apart um and then you would have to try and like have her have normal time have her have time outside to play try and have time with us to bond with him to like be there to support me and help me thankfully my mom like after that first night or that first night that you stayed we were like this is not gonna work Mm -hmm. and my mom just was like i'll be here every night 
Yeah, she was doing the night shift, so then I was home with Sterling every night. Because also, the one night that I did stay... You were not helpful. I wasn't helpful. I was so tired. I was I just remember like, waking up and being like, I need you to pass me the baby, and you being like, no. And I was like, uh, yes. And you were like, why? I was like, I don't need to explain myself. Give me the baby. No, it wasn't that. You said you wanted... <laughs> He wanted a spit cloth, and I was like, wipe it on your gown. Yeah. And I was like, nope, not doing that, because I knew it wasn't going to be a while before anybody would change me. Yeah. Um, oh, God, I've never felt grosser in my life. It took, I didn't, my hair didn't get washed until, like, the sixth day or something. My mom did it. It was gross. Oh, my yeah. God, it was so hard. So that was so stressful for me. And also just, like, having so many people come in to see me every day to, like, do assessments, to have me do things. And then people being like, you need to nap. And I was like, how am I supposed to nap when there's someone here all the time? Yeah. But that first night after the – the first day after the night when I, like, lost it and stayed at the hospital, um, I was texting with Fenn. And she's like, I'm going to come there first thing. And she did. And she did. And she took me outside. And I sat on the stairs. And I, like, cried for, like, 15 minutes straight. And just bawled, and she just sat there, like, rubbing my back, like, mm-hmm, as I, like, went through everything, where I was like, I'm not bonding with the baby, this feels like a strange baby, I, I sometimes don't even care about anything, I just want to run away, and, uh, Jackie's never gonna walk again, and this is not what I want my life to be like, and I'm so tired, and, like, just Sterling, totally verbal diarrhea out yeah. of, like, everything. And then she came and talked to me, and she was actually really great, too for me to talk to yeah she was and she was just like angie just needs to like stop thinking about how horrible things are and i was like yeah she needs to chill out we were both just sort of like that bitch is crazy (laughs) it's just kind of funny yeah in an empathetic way of course it was so fucking hard though i was just like you don't have to tell me i was there i know but it was it was hard for me too okay it was um, I was more worried about you than myself at that point because I couldn't do anything about me, but I was like, you are not okay. It was really hard for me to see you not being okay and not being able to help you. Mm-hmm. And also being the cause of the reason you weren't okay. It was like, oh, jeez. It was also, it was like we weren't getting any answers. So I was like, yeah. are, is she not going to walk for two years? I don't fucking know. Yeah. I can't imagine a life like that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm supposed to go back to work in like, like however long. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, it was funny, too, because the OB was saying, like, oh, you'll be fine in a couple days. And then the internist, who was who was sort of, like, taking over my case, I guess. Um, if you don't know what an internist is, it's, like, Dr. House <laughs> slash an internal medicine doctor. Anyway, um, he was saying something different. He was saying four to six weeks. And then our midwife was, like, a month max. Yeah. And it was just, it was really confusing. I remember, like, these, like, little triumphs, like, when I finally got to the bathroom by myself, was, like, felt like the biggest accomplishment ever. Sarah kept coming back and helping, and she was amazing. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. She is so good at her job. And I remember you being so perky, being like, I did this, and I did that, and me just being like, great, but... Can you walk by yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't, like, you... I need you to be able to carry the baby. I want you to be able to, like, pick up Sterling. I want you... To walk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were pretty, you were kind of a bummer. You weren't really, like, celebrating my wins. With no, me. and I couldn't pull myself out of it. That no, was part of it, too. You were in just... a very dark space. But thankfully, other people were able to be there with me, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool thing is that Silas, 
and I had so much time together, like I felt really connected to him and breastfeeding was going really well. And like, although when, um, is it, I don't remember which day it was. It must've been the first night or maybe it was, it wasn't the night you were there. So it's either the first night or the third night. Um, when like afterwards you, so the thing, I keep getting ahead of myself. The thing that happened with my nerves is very rare. And then when you have, like, you'll have contractions so that your uterus can, like, contract down, oh, yeah. back down to size. For me, it felt like I was in labor again. I was basically having contraction pain, and it was excruciating, and it was, like, really triggering and really traumatic for me. It was really, really hard and really intensely painful. That also is a very rare occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it was so crazy because the baby at that point, like, helps it like the baby's scent and like just the baby being close to you like triggers oxytocin which also helps with that whole process of the contractions and every other time every other like point that he had been alive at that point like he was fine to just be sleeping wherever with my mom or in his little bassinet or whatever but he was so fussy and he like needed to be on me and I knew that he needed to be on me and it was like this crazy like symbiotic thing where he was just like (laughs) I don't know how it sounds so weird when I say it, but like it was the most intense thing. He was like putting, he was like he was exploring my face and my, like me. Like he was just like putting his hands on my face somehow and he was just like on me, like helping like this whole process happen that needed to happen. It was very, it was very crazy. Um, and my mom just like watched it and it was like very intimate. Um, I kind of wish you had been there for it (laughs) looking back, but it was very cool. My mom was like kind of in awe of it. It's very different for her to see this kind of uh, Mm a thing because she had had all C-sections and my sister had mostly C-sections. And so there was some like silver linings that my mom and I had these like really deep conversations because I couldn't sleep and she wasn't sleeping. She wasn't even trying to sleep. She was just like there to, cuddle the baby and help me and whatever so we just talked and talked and also those contraction things were so painful that you were on hydromorph mm-hmm. which was like wigging me out oh yeah that was really because tough. i'm not like a fan of i had like i i talked to the that. nurse and was just like this is i can't handle this like what can we do and they were like oh we can give you hydromorph and i was like kind of like what because i i don't know i've never been in the hospital i don't know that that's like normal and fine um, and then when I told you, you freaked, you you were like, no, no. And you kind of, you kind of made me feel ashamed for needing it. And I was like, but I, like, I'm in so much pain. And then we ended up talking to our midwife and she explained like, this is totally normal. This isn't habit forming. Like, this is what it's for. This is like the proper use of these drugs, but mm-hmm. your experience with it is all with like addicted youth and addicted people. So it's different perspective, but I was just sort of like looking for you to be like, whatever you need is fine. And I just kind of remember feeling really salty towards you being like I fucking need this don't give me a hard time things are so hard I the last thing I need is more pain mm-hmm. over things to be even more difficult when they could be easier and I struggled with that for a few days and so did you yeah that was really hard I forgot about that until like this conversation yeah I feel like looking back on it now I would have a different perspective but so much was going on and I feel like it was just wrapped up in this the whole schmozzle of the birth and your injury and everything that I was like this on top of all of that I don't want that 
I don't also need you were like a wife who can't walk. I was gonna take those that I was gonna become an addict. Yeah, which yeah, is just, which and is not how it works. No, but yeah, it was like I don't want to have a wife who can't walk who's also like on fucking painkillers all the time. Mm-hmm. That's not what I've signed up for. This is ridiculous. And not just like Tylenol or whatever, but like and you weren't actually just an looking opioid. at me as a human being saying like, "Wow, you're in to- so much pain. You need help with that pain. Pain management is like humane." Yeah, but you didn't seem in pain to me. That's what was you kept was saying that tripping really me out is me that off. you were saying you'd be like, "Can I have my hydromorphone?" I'd be like, "No," because that was that was at the point where they were like, "You need to prevent the pain," right? So I wasn't in pain yet, but you hadn't seen me in pain. You hadn't seen the pain. You hadn't seen as how yeah. bad it was. So when you were like questioning whether I needed, it, I was like, "Fuck you!" Like, you have no idea what I've been going through because you haven't been here. Not that it was your fault, but it was just like it really was really hard for me to like. Yeah. Kind of see where you were coming from. And that was just causing this whole divide between us because this was all happening at the hospital when I wasn't there and I would Mm -hmm. come for like little bits of time, Mm -hmm. be like, oh, you're taking hydromorph suddenly and you still can't walk. And oh, okay. I feel like I don't know anything that's going on. I got to go take care of Sterling and feed her lunch. Bye. Mm -hmm. And I ended up taking hydromorph at home too. And that was necessary but um he had a tough time with that too yeah so it was a week in the hospital you got discharged with a walker and because you weren't cleared to carry the baby or anything like that it was decided basically i needed to take some time off work yeah well and the crazy because i had already used up my entire vacation (laughs) you had two weeks and uh, one week was taken up with labor and then the next week was taken up with the hospital, and it was just like, fuck. I can't, because we were like, I can't go home and take care of these two kids. Like, I can't even walk. Yeah. So um, we were going to, I was going to give you some of my mat leave, because I was like, I don't know what else we can do. You can't, like, we can't not have two incomes. You can't go to work, because there was nobody else that could come and take care of me 24-7 and the kids. Um, and then who found out about this? I googled it. I just looked up different leaves, and there's a thing here called a caregiver leave where through EI, if a family member is um, great, what was it? Severely great. injured or no critically ill? Critically ill or injured? Yeah, uh, you can get up to 15 weeks off to take care of them. So I was like, well, she's been injured, so I'm going to apply for this. And I thought maybe it wouldn't go through because technically, if you were by yourself, you could use your walker and shuffle over to the kitchen and make yourself a sandwich. Yeah. And then, you know, you could very, very base level take care of yourself, but there's absolutely no way that you could have taken care of him or Sterling. Yeah. And that was sort of the clincher when we got the medical form filled out by my GP. She was like, well, your, your infants in, cause it, there's a question about like, is, is their life in danger? And she said, yeah, your, your son's life is in danger. If you can't like pick him up yeah. and carry him around. Yeah. So, that got accepted, so I'm off of work right now until September 23rd. Um, at first, being optimistic and going based on what the doctor told us, I only applied for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, got to three weeks, and we're like, you're still not better. Mm-hmm. So then we applied for a six-week extension. And then they essentially just told her, like, it's easier to just apply for the whole 15 weeks now, and then if you have to go back early, you can. But the extensions are like, 
It's not just like, oh, FYI, we need longer. It's like, okay, you have to go back to the doctor, fill out another form, they have to process it. And it has, she's gotten paid for three weeks and that's it so far. And it's now, what, today is August 9th because it's our anniversary. Mm -hmm. Um, She's been paid for three weeks and you've been off since July 11th. Yeah, so it's ridiculous. We're managing, but it's just really annoying. So fast forward because everything in between is just shit in between. Yeah. It's just been a lot of physio, a lot of appointments. You're not 100%. And, of course, because I get all the rare fun stuff, also, I have, it's just not, I'm not recovering the way I should. So now I'm being sent for nerve conduction studies. Like, I can walk now. I'm not using a walker anymore. I'm supposed to be using a cane, but I don't have it yet because we're also in the middle of moving. Um, But my, I don't have a lot of strength. It's essentially my adductor muscles, so your inner thigh muscles, and my pelvic area. So also, I guess the other part of this is that the SPD, the pelvic girdle issues I had before the baby was born in my my pregnancy, also contributed to all of this weakness and the issues that I'm having. Um, And my inner thighs are just like super weak and not recovering very well. So So when... um just to put context with that what's being affected is Jackie's ability to lift her legs Mm -hmm. and push them together so the lifting leg part is like what would you say 60% now yeah something like that but the bringing your legs together maybe like 10% better than it was so like if you lift your if you're if you're laying down and trying to like bring your legs together I can't do that my legs are just really, really weak. Well, it's not that your legs are weak. It's that the nerves aren't doing anything. It's not just the nerves. It's also the muscles. Yeah, but the nerves aren't sending the signal to your legs to do it. Because it's not like you yeah. have, like, weak legs. Like, you have strong legs. You had strong legs going into the pregnancy. You had strong legs during the labor. Well. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. that your muscles have suddenly atrophied. I mean, they probably no. have now. But before <laughs> this. I've never been so inactive. The last, like, year of my life It's not even crazy. being inactive. It's that that's what happens with nerve. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. That happened to me when I had my nerve thing. Yeah. The physio said. She was like, I can see that there's, like, muscle wastage on this side. Yeah. It happens really fast, apparently. Yeah. Um, like, yesterday, we went on a walk. And it was like four blocks there, four blocks back, maybe. And it wiped me out completely. My body was so sore. I like went to bed at nine o'clock. I'm sore today. Um, so like I can carry the baby around. I can do some stuff. I'm like definitely way more functional than I was, but it's still really hard for me to go, go too far or feel like like, I can't squat. Oh, my God. That's, like, I've done it a few times by accident, just, like, forgetting and then doing it and being, like, oh, and, like, feels like my legs are going to just, like, fall out from under me. So, life's been fucking weird. Mm-hmm. It's a lot different. Mm-hmm. So, we're both, I think, struggling with some, like, depression. Oh, yeah. I'm going to counseling for postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently now I need to go see the traumatic birth counselor (laughs) at the hospital. Um, 
things have been we've been discharged from our midwifery care which makes me really sad but they followed us for longer because there's been lots of other stuff there's been all of that and then also silas has had some breastfeeding issues some weight gain fluctuation issues and as a result he needed to get he had a posterior tongue tie and a lip tie that he had to get fixed which was really awful and hard and now i have to manage that and basically start over with breastfeeding and re-teach him his latch so Mm -hmm. that's made things really challenging and also sterling's she's having some adjustment issues she suddenly seems like i don't know man a tiny sometimes i think that we just like broke her when we had him (laughs) i think edgy's edgy's very negative about this i think i constantly am reminding her that She's almost two, and this is an age when kids start having tantrums anyways. She's very tenacious, so these tantrums feel really intense sometimes. Um, but they're mostly around bedtime. Usually, yeah, but or what time. bums me out is like her, when she's she hits him and stuff. Yeah. She but like that's... bites him and scratches him, and I'm like, oh my god, you're going to be a psychopath. The thing is, like things calmed down for a little bit for her. She wasn't being as aggressive towards Silas. Um, and, and that was because things were like more stable. Now we're moving. So we're packing. Everything's chaotic. We have to ignore her sometimes. And that's when she acts out. Mm-hmm. It's totally Bums normal and predictable. Just, you need to stop being so like catastrophic minded about it because it's not the end of the world. She's going to be fine. She's not going to do, I mean, also even in like the best of circumstances, kids do that you know yeah and she does really love him she wants to hug him and kiss him and hold him and all that stuff and sometimes she'll get mad that he's like fussing and she'll hit him because she wants him to be happy with her she wants you know she wants to treat him like one of her dolls yeah i know and it's also i can see that it's like science where Mm -hmm. she's like what happens if i do this and she'll like Mm -hmm. smack him and then he'll start to cry and she'll kind of be like hmm interesting like she looks intrigued she doesn't look like happy that he's upset but also like She's not even two. She's not really capable of empathy. She doesn't really understand the concept of causing someone else pain. Yeah. Um, and we're just, we're managing it the best that we can. But it's just, that's the part that bums me out is that I feel like she wouldn't have had as hard of a time if we could have done things differently. Obviously, we don't have control over that. But that part makes me really sad because I think it's been really abrupt for her. And there's been a lot of upheaval. And now we're moving, which is like, like two of the biggest things that can happen to a little human being getting a brother or getting a sibling and moving homes. I mean, she's lucky that we're both home. I know. And I'm worried about what it's going to be like when I go back to work. Oh, yeah. She, like, got crazy intense about breastfeeding after Silas was born. So Angie's been struggling with that. We've had a lot of bedtime struggles and a lot of naptime struggles that we're getting better with. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can expect some more when when we move on Monday. So that's where we're at now. Yeah. So wrap up, long ass labor, baby Silas came, Jackie can't walk anymore. Our lives are ruined. (laughs) I can walk now. Now? How long has it been? Two months? No, it's been 11 weeks. Mm -hmm. It'll be 11 weeks tomorrow. We still have the walker on standby just in case, but yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
We drink every night to cope. We have two ciders, if that. Two tall boy ciders. Oh my god, Angie. It takes us like four hours to drink them. <laughs> We're fine. Okay, let's end on a happier note. Um, Silas is adorable. He's so sweet. He's very snuggly. He's starting to like be very vocal. He's got a ton of hair. Yep. Um, it's brown. He's like... He has blue he looks eyes. so much like me. Ow. Which is crazy. That's been so interesting for me because I have had the experience I've gotten to have the experience of being a mom already and I can't say like somebody asked me like oh have you ever been in love like this before and I was like yeah with Sterling like I and at that moment I was like I actually like if you were if I'm being honest at that point I loved her more because I knew her and Silas was sort of like a stranger um now I couldn't imagine my life without him he's just such a little love bug he's so sweet He's so snug, like, he sleeps really well. Like, he only, almost from the beginning, was only sleeping, like, or only getting up, waking up once or twice a night. That's still where we're at. He has had some struggles with breastfeeding, but he's getting better. He's generally a very chill baby. He has fussy, (laughs) he's, okay, well, that's... I'm giving Jackie a, "Mm, are you sure? Well, I think he is... I think that's his temperament. I think he's had issues because of the breastfeeding problems he's had. It's caused him to, like, suck in lots of air, and he's been really gassy. Yeah, but there was, like, a good period of time when... It was probably, like, two weeks. The only time he would sleep is it was if he was in... In. If he was on my body. Not at nighttime. He's never had that problem at nighttime. It was just during the day that he was getting fussy. Yes, there was a solid period. You would, like, breastfeed him, and I would have to put him on. And then you would breastfeed him, and I would have to put him on. Yeah, because he would only be happy if you were, like, wearing him and bouncing on the ball, which I couldn't do. I still can't really do it, but um, but I don't think that's really... I think that's just like normal newborn stuff. I think at this point he's sort of tapered off and he's not really that fussy during the day. He's smiling. He's super smiley. He's super happy. Mm-hmm. He's cute. He's pretty easy to deal with. He has blue night. eyes. Yeah, he has blue eyes. I have two blue-eyed kids and I'm like... So my family is like... Mom has brown eyes. All the kids have brown eyes. My dad has blue eyes. So everyone just always assumes that we're all going to have brown-eyed kids, and none of us have, actually. Your brother doesn't have brown eyes. Well, no, but his eyes are like hazel something. They're kind of a mish, mash. Okay. Um, but, like, my sister has one out of three with brown eyes. My brother's son is blue-eyed. Well, Sterling's blue-eyed, but that doesn't really have anything to do with my genetics. But then now Silas has blue eyes. So. Yeah. It is kind of funny. Yeah. It's like, get rid of that brown. And my dad's taking credit for all of it, (laughs) which is interesting. Because you, well, the donor has blue eyes as well, so. Mm -hmm. And how did we come up with the name Silas? Oh, yeah. So one day we were driving and I was thinking about names that I like. And I was, for some reason, I'm thinking about the name Judah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's from that TV show Weeds. Oh, I really like that show. Oh, yeah, the son in that show's name was Silas. And then I just looked at you, and I was like, what about Silas? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, for a boy or a girl, right? And you were like, yeah. We were just like, okay. (laughs) It just was so easy. Yeah, so if, so he is Silas James. James is my dad's middle name, his dad's middle name, and his dad's first name, Um, which I didn't realize. I just thought it was my dad's middle name, and I was like, oh, my dad will like that. And then he told me all 
the history of the name and he was like very proud of that so Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool yeah we've chosen to honor your family with our kids names but i i just figure my family gets dubai so they should be happy (laughs) well i yeah that's what i was saying i was like don't you want to like include and she was like no they get dubai okay also james is just like a very solid middle name plus you're the only one i mean you're you're your dad's only kid yeah right so there's no like there's my dad my mom they have other grandkids there's other opportunities for them to be honored but your dad only gets this and we didn't honor him with sterling's name and we're not having any more kids so that's true and i felt like with sterling too like I really loved the name Sterling. It's sort of just a coincidence that it happened to be where your ancestors were born and your mother was born. Yeah. But it was more so like a, I'm sorry that I made you give up your name. <laughs> <laughs> your last name. Um, yeah, and then the name that we we're going to have if he were had been a girl was Sterling Winter. Silas Winter. Right. Ooh, <laughs> Sterling Winter is a good name, though. Yeah. <laughs> It was gonna Silas be Winter. Silas Winter Dubé for a girl. Which I thought was super cool. Like, she would be, like, a secret assassin. Or, like, a comic book character. Yeah. A superhero. Yeah. Silas Winter. Yeah. And our name, our boy name that we were so fond of when Sterling, when you were pregnant with Sterling was Atlas. And we, after... I know, I was like, I'm going to be devastated if I don't have a child named Atlas. Which yeah. now I'm like... The only thing, like, I love... Silas's name. The only thing that bugs me is that we have two kids with S names, as though like it was an intentional thing that we we're like, all kids with S names. It wasn't. It was just a co- coincidence that the names we liked had happened to. I names. thought that we were gonna have a kid with a K name. I was just feeling the K names, and I, for a long time, the top runner in my mind was Kennedy, for a girl. I like the name Kennedy, but I also think it's kind of popular. But it's not so popular that it's like Kennedy. There's five Kennedys in this class. It's not like Olivia. Or Sophia. Yeah. Or Emma. Mm-hmm. Or Abby. Oliver. Or Liam. Is Abby that popular? Abigail is in the top, like, 20, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there'd be that many in a class, but... Um, we just like names that are, like, unique but not weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Silas, like, it was actually really cool. One of our nurses, her nephew's name was Silas, and he was four years old, and she was she worked, obviously has seen many, many, many babies. And she was like, I, my sister told me, like, tell me if you ever see another Silas. And in four years, I never have. I'm so excited that I finally can tell her I met a Silas. Yeah, and it's funny because one of our, they're like an acquaintance. Um, they had a baby maybe like a month after Silas and named him Silas. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was interesting. When, they, when I heard about that, I was like, oh, no, it's going to like hit the top 10 now. We're going to end up with Silas's everywhere. We started a trend. We're trendsetters, guys. Mm-hmm. We're tastemakers. <laughs> but Silas is not really that different than Atlas. I really like the story of telling my it's grandma an his name. Oh, yeah. I told my grandma and she was like, I was like, grandma, his name is Silas. She's like, Cyrus? I was like, no, 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 <laughs> with an L. And she goes, Lyris? <laughs> I was like, no, grandma, Silas. She still didn't get it, and then she asked me later in the conversation, and then she ended up asking my sister again later on what his name was. I think she gets it now, but mm-hmm. she was sort of like, that's okay, I guess, was her response. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad you approve. Like, mm-hmm. no offense, Grandma, but you named your son Doug. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think, I mean, it was probably, it was a fine name at that point. Douglas. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. My my dad was like, huh. I don't know. My family, I think it took them like a minute to warm up to it. But I think everyone like I think everyone likes it now. I don't know. I don't really care. We like it. <laughs> yeah. Your dad always looks into what the names mean. Because I remember when he came and met Sterling, he was like, because Sterling's middle name is Lorelai. And he was like, Lorelai. So that means, and he gave, he told me the whole thing. And I was like, yeah, it's yeah, pretty know, cool, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I really like that. Blah, blah, blah. I know. My dad was like, where'd you come up with Silas? And we were like, actually, Paul, which is my dad's name, Paul and Silas in the Bible are friends. <laughs> They're best buds. So this isn't like a weird name we made up. And he was like, but you guys aren't religious. I was like, no, it's not where we got it from. That's just like an anecdote. I was like, I actually got it from the TV show Weeds. <laughs> but it's not because I love Weeds so much. I just like the name. So, this is a longer episode, but that's where we're at now. Yeah. Thank you for being so patient when we were putting out the birth episodes because it was, as you can tell, it's been hard. Yeah. Been taking care of everyone and then also in the evening trying to edit and put out a podcast and keep a baby asleep Mm -hmm. and a toddler and, 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 and. And the hardest part, I think, of all this is that our relationship has been super backburnered. Mm-hmm. So we've felt a bit disconnected from each other, which has been tough. Yeah. Because um, things have been pretty tense at moments, and it just puts a lot of extra strain on our relationship, obviously. And it's hard when you're not having that kind of you know, bonding, intimate time that you need. I'm not talking about sex. I'm just talking about like being able to talk to each other. <laughs> Yeah. Because, like, like, we'd get to the end of the night and just be, like, like, zombified on the couch for, like, 20 minutes, 45 minutes for as long as an episode of something, and then we'd just go to bed. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, and in case anybody's wondering, Silas and I are co-sleeping, and it's going very well. And I am sleeping in a different room in a bed all by myself, and it's glorious. (laughs) Yeah, she's... uh, Well, Sterling's in the room in a crib, but, oh my god. You're never coming back to me, I know it, because you're just, like... So freed of my snoring. Every time I crawl into bed, I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I have it all to myself, and it's so comfy. Well, it's short-lived, woman. You are coming back to me. I'm not going to be one of those couples that doesn't sleep together. I always thought, that's crazy when people don't sleep in their own bed because they have kids. Now I'm like, no, that's fucking survival is what that is. Mm-hmm. We'll eventually transition Sterling into a position where, like, because she, she was transitioned into her bedroom, which was a big deal. But... We have to get you away from her. But I think we can we can get there. It's, now it's just like I'm still in there. Like if Silas hadn't come along, we probably would have like, you know, worked up to me sleeping back in the bedroom. But yeah. there's too many changes right now for yeah. her. We can't. Uh, yeah, we have to wait. Angela's also ready to wean her. You're like over it. <laughs> I don't even know how to begin, though. Oh, my God. Her she's going to lose her mind. Yeah, well, uh. there's so many things coming up. Like, first we have to get moved and get get her settled into a new house with a new routine there. Then you'll be going back to work. That will be really hard for her as well. So we'll, we'll find a way, I guess. I tried to, like, delay one of the... Because I only feed her three times a day, but one of the evening one, the evening one around, like, 5.30... That she always asks for. I always want her to forget, but she doesn't forget that kid. Um, she, I was like, "Oh no, you're just gonna get it at bedtime," and she was like, "No boobs, no boobs," and she like started to like get so worked up about it that I was like, "Oh, not worth it." Boob 
time. Boob time, yes. <laughs> Boob time, yes. <laughs> we should totally do a spot with her. She is so funny. She's mm-hmm. honestly, we, we have been complaining about her, but she's a wonderful little kid. She's hilarious. She's really adventurous. She's so brave, but also afraid of random things. Um, she's really social. She's gotten way more comfortable just like being with different family members without us because of like necessity Mm. um and she's just like really physically capable (laughs) she climbs she rides a scooter she's like very agile and very strong and has amazing balance so she gives us lots of reasons oh my god in the last week she hit her head like four times (laughs) anyway we, we said have some... anyway a lot. Yeah, I know. Anyway. Anyway. This anyway. Is, this is like so Angie right now. <sighs> These like big, heavy sighs. I'm sorry. You're so overburdened. <sighs> See? You don't even know you're doing it. It's it's how I go from one thing to the next. It's I finish something, I let out a sigh, and then I go on to the next thing. Okay. We're done with this now. Oh, by the way, we're never going to record another podcast ever again, so this is the last you'll ever hear from us, right? No, the next time you hear from us will be in our new home, because we're not recording in the next four days. No. Okay, love you guys. Also, thank you for all the support of comments and stuff that everybody left. It was really nice to see, and it's... Also, I I apologize for making you guys wait so long. Someone sent us an email, and they were like... I assume that uh, life isn't just on hold for you guys and you actually had a baby. What did they say? Something along those lines? It was something like, I know that in the, like, I imagine in the podcast everything's just stopped because that's all I've heard, but I know you've probably had a baby and everything's okay, but oh my God, I can't wait to hear what happens next. Yeah. Oh my God. So nice. We'll read some messages next episode. Yeah. This is getting quite long. This is going to be a two-parter. It has to be. It's way too long for one part. No, there's, that's it. No. There's no other parts to talk about. No, I mean, this is long. I'm just putting this out as one episode, you guys. No, don't do it. Sorry. No. Okay, love you. Bye. Can you say baby? Baby. Can you say mama? Mama. Can you say baby mama? Baby. Thanks for listening to the Baby Mamas podcast. Make sure to like them on Facebook and give them a great review on iTunes. Have a good day.